Good morning. Thought it would be appropriate to get a market update to you uh, here this Friday as we try to digest some of the insane events that are happening around the world, uh, starting with wheat, which has gone parabolic. Uh, those of you that remember a, a video that I put out about a year ago talking about inflation and how sometimes it can lead to parabolic moves. I got razzed for that word because some of you had to look that up, but uh, it's what we're seeing in wheat right now today, okay? It's a, it's a confluence of events where you end up with a structural shortage and, a, and an outside event that creates this kind of move. These are very rare. Uh, you need to have a, a set of variables in place to create something like this, and it starts with the structural or fundamental uh, short balance sheet uh, imbalance, right? Uh, and, you know, something that I believe that we've been in for quite a while, several years. Uh, the market hasn't priced it in or had any concern about it, but now all of a sudden with the events uh, unfolding here with the Ukraine, the market has put in and is trying to put in extreme premium uh, and, and trying to... Um, deal with this structural imbalance that you're seeing in the wheat market. You also have to have an inflationary environment, something we've talked about for quite a while. Uh, it's a key component because you basically, it gets harder to find that price at which you ration demand, right? Uh, if you're in a deflationary environment, you take prices high, demand walks away, the balance sheet fixes itself right away, but that's not the environment we're in we're in a highly inflationary environment. So that price point at which it takes to ration demands getting harder to find. And you're seeing that. And then you need some kind of outside shock to the system, a black swan, if you will, uh, that some people like to throw that term around where uh, it's an event that's so big, so catastrophic that it, it, uh, it, it really moves um, people out of a, a normal mindset. And that's, of course, the Ukraine war. Uh, with Russia and and its market is trying its best to understand how that's going to affect uh, balance sheets and 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 the world and you're that's the catalyst that has taken this wheat market parabolically. Um, in the last year, uh, we've had several shocks, right? So we've had lots of um, system failures uh, that started with the trade war uh, a couple years ago. That was a, that was a that was an outside shock that was deflationary that took grains and commodities down to record low levels. Uh, you had the COVID lockdown, uh, and so that that too created uh, demand destruction. And then you've had since that, which were highly deflationary events, um, massive inflationary events back to back. Uh, you've had this drought in South America that started last year with the Safrina corn crop where we lost 30 million metric tons or about a billion bushels of corn. Market didn't seem at the time too concerned about it and we traded right through it. Then we lost the South American soybean crop here this winter. Uh, we lost 35 million metric tons there. We lost this, a, a chunk of uh, South American first corn crop about 400 million bushels. Uh, now, here out of the blue, we have the loss in the Ukrainian uh, wheat and corn belt. 
the wheat crop is planted and possibly could get harvested, uh, but it may not. And there is some 30 million metric tons of production. 24 of that gets exported into the world. That's about another billion bushels of wheat that may have just left the market and may just sit in the Ukraine rotting. You lost um, uh, about the possibility is out there that we may not get the corn crop planted for next year in the Ukraine. That's another 35 million, excuse me, 33 and a half million metric tons of corn that disappeared off the market here. All of these events have happened in a year, one year, starting with the drought in South America. So if I add up all these supply hits to the global balance sheets, it's 4.9 billion bushels of grain that is either lost versus expectations or uh, locked up and not available to the market. So take your pick how you want to characterize that. But that's the problem. Uh, The other problem is that the USDA data uh, is at this point worthless. It, It cannot keep up with the changes. The changes are happening so quickly that they'll lag. They have been lagging for years and will continue to lag. And so anybody that's made their marketing decisions based on USDA data has gotten destroyed in the last year, year and a half. Uh, The losses that I just highlighted are are so big, so catastrophic that, again, it's hard to push them through balance sheets and try to come up with a rational number for a price, okay? And uh, so it's leading and that's contributing to this, this parabolic move. Um, the move parabolically in, in the grains is typically designed to blow out shorts, get them out of the market, and destroy demand. And that's what we're seeing in the wheat market right now. Uh, as you try to find that price that's not as easy to find, you go through it. And you go through it so high, so aggressively, that you end up just ruining that market. Just as a reminder to ourselves, these kinds of markets are highly volatile, right? Highly emotional and very stressful. You're going to see a lot of headlines coming out in the next few weeks about the pain that these markets are creating on the end user. And so the headlines are going to be designed to you know, sell papers and sell subscriptions. And the way you do that is with very emotional and and very disturbing uh, data as it hurts the consumer. What I'm fearful of is based on the velocity of this move in wheat and crude oil that is surpassing targets that we thought, um, and eventually it's going to hit the corn market and the soybean market, um, that we're going to pile drive this economy into a recession. So my fear that I highlighted in my last update is growing uh, about a possible recession sometime after the summer. Just think 2008-9, very similar setup. So we're going to have to do our best to stay disciplined, non-emotional, and stick to our plan. Okay? Are we going to hit the highs? Probably not. But my goal, our goal, is to match as best we can the risk of cost of producing this crop and... Um, lock in our revenue. We don't have all of our inputs locked in yet. That's why we're not so heavily sold. 
We're, we're going to wait and do our best to get those inputs bought, secured, delivered. Once that's all locked in, we can make far more intelligent decisions on our revenue. But we're going to do our best and sell those prices at, at, at levels that I think match the fundamentals as best we can. And we're not going to look back. We're not going to second guess our decisions, which is easy to do when you have big moves like this. Looking back and second-guessing decisions is not healthy or helpful. It's basically wasted energy, okay? So we're going to do our best to try to run a business in the middle of global chaos. Not easy to do. From a marketing standpoint here, we did sell 50% of our wheat. Um, and so what's happened since then, since the, the board has rallied so strongly... Uh, the cash market is separating itself from the, uh, the, the futures market. Elevators have moved their bids from the July to the September. They have dropped their basis a dollar a bushel in many cases. And so this is the first sign of demand destruction is when the board moves so violently against the cash market. And you're seeing it in the wheat market. The wheat board may go higher. Uh, but the cash market is going to do its best to not pay you uh, the same price as the board. So we can defend ourselves in that situation with this 50% that we've got sold. We can come in and buy some puts against the other half of the crop or just wait it out and see how it plays out. Uh, at some point here, you're going to want to probably come in and buy some puts to defend uh, some of these price levels. Old crop corn for the corn market. Um, I would use today to sell half your remaining corn position. We're butting right up against $8. We're not there yet, but we're getting close. Leave yourself a little bit of corn to possibly test that old record high at $8.43, where we will finish out this year's corn marketing for old crop. We did hit our target. For those of you that missed the first time, we did sell 20% at $6.40 and 660 on the September. Our next targets will be 690 on the December, 710 on September for another 20%. So our next targets are 50 cents higher than what we just sold. For Dece 23, 575 was our target that did get hit. For those of you that did not have those orders in, please get those placed. And then we're going to move the next target to 595 on December 23 where we're going to sell another 10 or 15% putting us about 20 to 25% sold on 23 corn. Soybeans, old crop beans um, are lagging the complex right now. I'm not interested in selling the, any of our old crop beans right now. I, I, I'm really waiting for a test of the old highs closer to 18, 1850. New crop beans, uh, we should be 40% sold uh, with that last sale coming in around 1530, 1540. New crop beans are lagging, um, so you know make sure you have that order in at 15.30 to sell another 20% if you didn't the first time. But we should be 40% sold when we go retest that high uh, new crop price. Similarly for 23, we should be 10% sold at 13.50. I want to make sure we have another order in at 13.90 for another 10 or 15%. So we're, we would come out of, uh, you know, a test of $14 on the 23 soybean market. I want to be about 20, 25% sold. For the cotton market, uh, demand does remain strong. Shipments slipped a little bit this week. 
the weather market still is uh, looks horrible for West Texas, and with crude oil, you know, banging against near record highs, it's going to keep a bid under cotton for a while. Um, there are merchants uh, pushing a very very bullish narrative, um, much more bullish than I am, and that's fine. I get that. Uh, we do have a difference of opinion. Uh, they they see shipments, you know, staying on target. I don't. For the old crop, they see acres only up a million. I see them up closer to two. And then, you know, the base case is that the drought in West Texas will keep a bid under new crop. Don't disagree with that. My question to them would be what happens if it does start raining in May or June like it did last year? How much premium would we take out of the cotton market at that point? And for us, we just can't afford that risk of not having something sold. So we're going to remain 50% sold physical where we can. And then we're going to use um, crop insurance. Stacks in particular, from what I hear, is the best insurance product to protect revenue and yield. And then we're going to use uh, those 90-cent puts to protect the rest of our crop. Uh, we have been bouncing uh, off of $0.03 cents for the cost of those, up to 4 4 and a half. I'm not worried about new crop prices falling too quickly here. And so we're going to keep those orders in at $0.03. Cents. For some, two and a half for the others, and I think ultimately we'll have a shot at buying those, the remainder at two cents. For old crop, structurally the market still looks sound, even though we've had this correction. I do think we ultimately do go test that 134 or 132 to four right in that area, and that will give us that opportunity to lock in those puts for December during that price move. So let's make sure we're in position for those of you that have you know big concerns about production that you have orders in, have money in your account funded, and ready to buy those puts. And I'm expecting that to happen over the next 30, maybe 60 days. Okay, my friends, I hope you have a wonderful day. Have a great weekend. Again, these are my opinion and not those of ADM or ADMIS.